If you would have told me a month ago that the Orioles were going to go a stretch here without Cedric Mullins and without Ryan Mountcastle, I would have been heavily concerned for their offense. But honestly, it hasn't been a huge deal. The Orioles, with another 11-run output on Tuesday night to blast the Blue Jays. And I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap another big win for the Orioles as they beat the Blue Jays 11-6 on Tuesday night, win the opener in this series and get to five consecutive victories. I'll get to the five things you need to know from that one, including Gunnar Henderson staying red hot, the offense just on fire top to bottom, and Dean Kramer getting things done despite not having his best stuff on the mound. Then we'll talk a little bit more about this offense without Cedric Mullins, how they are continuing to chug along. And finally, the big... IL news and roster move from Tuesday as Ryan Mountcastle was placed on the injured list, what it means for him, the O's, and what they'll do with the roster moving forward. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So let's jump into an Orioles victory. Final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Tuesday night. In Game 1 of a three-game series, the Orioles win it 11-6 over the Toronto Blue Jays. O's have now won all four matchups against the Jays so far this season after sweeping a three-game series north of the border in Toronto back in May. For the Orioles, it is their fifth consecutive victory, now 4-0 so far on this homestand and the win gets them to 42 and 24 on the season hey maybe the uh red hot oakland athletics only team hotter than the o's right now can beat the rays again on uh tuesday night hopefully they did if you're listening to this game hasn't uh finished yet as i'm recording but they did it on monday why couldn't they do it again maybe the o's can gain a little ground there but i'm gonna get you the five things you need to know from the orioles 11 to 6 win over the blue jays and the first thing you need to know is Gunnar Henderson is so absolutely back. Now, his last month has been incredible. He's hitting over 330 in his last month since his average basically tanked at 170 back on May 12th. But since then, he's been amazing. And specifically in June, he has basically been unstoppable. Henderson in this game, once again, hitting leadoff. He was the DH for this one in the Orioles lineup. Henderson goes three for five. With a home run and four RBIs, that home run, the thing that kind of not put this thing away, I would say, and we'll get to why that was the case a little bit later, but really gave the O's a giant cushion with a grand slam off of Blue Jays starter Chris Bassett in the third inning. For Henderson, his 10th home run of the year, he had four hard hit balls in this game. He's just mashing. He is just mashing the baseball right now. The home run left the bat at 101. He had a single that left the bat at 104. Another single at 100 miles an hour. He had a fly out at 95 off the bat. Was just able to sneak that grand slam into the bullpen. 
I thought the entire way Kevin Kiermeyer was going to rob that homer because, listen, as Orioles fans know, he seemingly always robs that homer. But somehow Kiermeyer couldn't get to this one. The Grand Slam gave the O's an 8-1 to lead, and they would go on to win it. Henderson now in June, 14 for 29. That is a 483 batting average in June with five home runs and 11 RBIs. It is only June 14th as I talk now. We are not even halfway through the month, and Henderson has just been amazing five homers as well. This is the player we knew we'd see at some point this year. Honestly, this is better than the player we knew we'd see. This is incredible. He can't be stopped at the moment. And speaking of guys who can't be stopped, the second thing you need to know from this Orioles victory is that the Orioles might have just fixed Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn. I mean, I know we've talked about this a bit already here on the pod, specifically since O'Hearn got a more regular role and Hicks was signed after the Mullen injury. But the both of them, once again, just coming through for the Orioles. Ryan O'Hearn only did have a one for five in this game, but the one was a big one, a two-run shot in the third inning that he hit the other way on a breaking ball, just knocked it into the bullpen to give the Orioles a four to one lead. That one came off Chris Bassett as well, who was just terrible. Three innings, eight runs on 11 hits and three home runs against the Orioles. The O's just clobbered him for 11 hard hit balls in three innings. And then there's Aaron Hicks, who also homered in this game, went two for four with a homer and a walk and a single as well. These guys are just clicking right now. And They're veteran guys who had had their struggles recently with the Royals and the Yankees, and you just didn't know how much to expect out of these two guys. I mean, you really didn't. And all of a sudden, you got Aaron Hicks hitting the home run in the fourth inning, you know, 97 off the bat. You got O'Hearn crushing one, 103 off the bat the other way, 395 feet. It's just working with these two guys in the lineup. And as I mentioned at the top, with Mullins out and now with Mountcastle out, You have the easy fill-in of Hicks in center field, O'Hearn at first base, and they're producing just as well, if not better, than those two guys were. And that's really helped this offense. Speaking of the offense, the third thing you need to know from this one, just a full offensive effort from the Orioles in this one. Scoring 11 runs for the second consecutive game, 17 hits for the Oriole offense in this one. It was just honestly crazy to watch them. 21 hard hit balls in eight innings is absurdity. That is what the Orioles did, though, in this game. Two in the second on the Adam Frazier two-run homer. Six in the third on the O'Hearn homer. And then the Henderson grand slam. Then they added one in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth. Did not score the seventh and the eighth, but that was okay. And got the 11-6 win. Even before the Gunnar Henderson grand slam, which came in the third inning. Even before that grand slam, every single Oriole had a hit in the game so far. When Henderson stepped up for his third plate appearance with two outs and the bases loaded in the third inning, the Orioles had nine hits, and each of their starters had one hit. It was insane. Henderson, I mentioned with the big game. Adley Rutschman, two for five with a couple of doubles and four hard hit balls. Maybe you all can stop reaching out to tell me how worried you are about Adley Rutschman. He's the best hitting catcher in baseball. Anthony Santander, two for five with an RBI. Mentioned O'Hearn. Austin Hayes, two for five with a couple of doubles. Mentioned Aaron Hicks. Adam Frazier, two for five, including his two-run homer. Had another RBI. Ramon Arias with a two for five. Even Jorge Mateo, one for three with a single and a walk in this game. Everybody did it up and down the lineup. Full performance. Just so fun to watch them jump on this Blue Jays team. Fourth thing you need to know from this one as we switch it over to the pitching side, Dean Kramer, listen, he wasn't his best, but he did his job 
in this game for the Orioles, especially once they got him the six-run third and they went up 8-1. to one. He just cruised through and did his job. Six innings for Dean Kramer, two runs on eight hits. He struck out six, and the big thing you want to do with a seven-run lead, he did not walk anyone in six innings of work through 95 pitches. Now, the Blue Jays squared him up from time to time, nine hard-hit balls against him in six innings, and he got a little lucky to get out of there with just the two runs that he allowed over the six innings. But that's sometimes all you need when you score 11 runs. Just a pitcher who's going to pitch into the sixth, maybe beyond, get you some outs, keep the other team down. And he did have 13 whiffs. The four-seam fastball was really good. Seven whiffs on 17 swings against that pitch. Threw it 36 out of his 95 pitches. He was all around the strike zone all day, as you could tell from the zero walks. And once again, it was fastball heavy. His three most used pitches, four-seamer, then cutter, then sinker. But he did go to the curveball and change just enough to keep the Blue Jays off balance. And again, wasn't his best. Still was getting squared up. But that's been the story a lot for Dean Kramer this year. You know, getting squared up but limiting damage and another quality start for the Orioles' right-hander. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 11-6 win over the Blue Jays is that, well, the bullpen didn't exactly made you feel good about this one. Now, Brian Baker did start it off well. He came out there in the seventh inning with the O's up 11-2. Pitched a scoreless seventh with a hit and a walk. That was good to see for him. Then the O's, as they should have, go to Austin Voth in the top of the eighth. Or in the top of the seventh, excuse me. No, it was in the top of the eighth. It's just crazy to think how many outs the Orioles had to get in this game. Austin Voth, after kind of a disaster outing on Saturday, another disaster outing for him on Tuesday. Gets just one out, allows a homer, allows a walk, three hits, two earned runs, comes out of the game. CNL Perez comes in, does a great job, gets the next two batters out in the eighth, keeps it an 11-4 game, gets to the ninth. Then Perez stays on in the ninth, and his disaster happens. He loads up the bases, two runs, two hits against him, two walks, no strikeouts, and all of a sudden it's 11-5 with the bases loaded and two outs, and the Orioles have to go to Mike Bauman, who allows an infield hit for a run to score, and then finally gets a strikeout leaving the tying run on deck to end the game. And listen, that strike three that he got the call on against Danny Jansen probably was not a strike, but he got the benefit of the doubt to end the game. Now, the Orioles did have to actually get Felix Bautista up and throwing a bit in the ninth inning, which was unfortunate for a game when you're leading 11-2 to in the eighth. But even though he threw, he didn't come into the game, and that was big. That is now four consecutive days that the Orioles have not had to use Felix Bautista or Yenier Cano. They both pitched Friday night in the win against the Royals. Neither had to pitch Saturday or Sunday, had the off day Monday, and neither pitches on Tuesday. That is the longest break that I think either of them have gotten this year. And it's just the seventh Orioles win of the season. Shout out to Masson for this stat. It's only the seventh win of the season in which the O's haven't used Cano or Bautista. And the bullpen didn't finish it off well, but at least they still didn't have to use those guys. And they got the win at the end of the day. The offense was great. They held on, and the Orioles win it 11-6, have now won five games in a row. And this offense is looking good. Back-to-back games with 11 runs. And you maybe wouldn't expect that with Mullins out and now Mountcastle out as well. But coming up next, I'll talk about what has really led to the O's offense still kicking it, and honestly hitting a little bit better even at times with Cedric Mullins on the injured list. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, I've talked about Game Time a lot on this podcast because 
it is the best way to get those last-minute tickets to your favorite events. And I know many of your favorite events, Baltimore Orioles games. Well, they've got the tickets right there on game time. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the games near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you will have. I went to the game Sunday. I literally went on game time at 115 for a 135 game bought tickets for $3 and went to the game. Just like that, walked to the stadium. That's how easy game time makes it. They've got flash deals, which I used to get the best tickets, and they got the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, everything you would need from a ticket app, and it's super, super easy to use. You get image of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly where you expect to arrive, and the tickets get sent right to your phone immediately. So, so easy. So snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So the Orioles take down the Blue Jays 11-6 on Tuesday night. Bullpen was a little shaky late, but they held on to win the game, take the first game of the series, and they have won now five in a row. And if you notice, 11 runs, it's a pretty good output for the Orioles' offense. And when they go back-to-back games with 11 runs, now that is very, very impressive. And a cool stat that Masson put up during the end of the broadcast on Tuesday, the Orioles, for the first time this year, had six or more players record at least two hits in a game. That happened on Tuesday when seven Orioles, seven Orioles out of their nine starters, recorded a multi-hit game. That was Henderson, Rutschman, Santander, Hayes, Hicks, Frazier, and Urias all had at least two hits. The Orioles had had five starters record two hits or more in the same game twice this year. The first one was all the way back on opening day in the win against the Red Sox. And the other one was literally Sunday when they scored 11 runs against the Royals. So you could argue Tuesday night was their best offensive game of the year. And you wouldn't have predicted that, you know, a month or so ago. If I told you that, yeah, the O's would have their best offensive game of the year against a good team in the Blue Jays and against a good starting pitcher in Chris Bassett when they have Cedric Mullins out with a groin injury and Ryan Mountcastle out with vertigo. He was placed on the IL on Tuesday. We'll get to that in just a bit. But in the 12 games since the Orioles lost Cedric Mullins, since he left that Monday Memorial Day game against the Guardians with the groin injury, the Orioles have 69 runs in 12 games. Now, I understand if you take out the last two games. I get it. It's 47 runs in 10 games. That's still pretty good, 4.7. But it's not the 5.8 runs per game they have now in the 12 without Cedric with the back-to-back 11. So I understand that. But still... During that 12-game stretch, 5.8 runs per game, 69 runs, that is top five in baseball. The Orioles are getting through it without Cedric Mullins. And this is not to say, hey, Aaron Hicks is better than Cedric Mullins or Ryan O'Hearn is better than Cedric Mullins. But this is to say that they can sustain this kind of injury. Now, they're going to get even better when Mullins returns, hopefully by the end of this month or early in July. But they're holding on, at least at this point. And things have turned around recently. I mean, the offense didn't look great in that Brewers series, but then they've kicked it on since then. Now, it's coincided with Gunnar Henderson getting hot. I mentioned in June, he's hitting 483 with five homers. Cedric Mullins only didn't play the last game of May, so 
basically lining up right there. You've got Ryan O'Hearn. Since Cedric Mullins went down, he's 12 for 30. That's a 400 average with four doubles and three homers. You'll take that stepping in. And Aaron Hicks, as we've talked about, has been a great replacement. Hicks has still reached base in every single game that he has played in, in an Orioles uniform, and he has been super productive. He's played most of the games in center field since the Orioles signed him a day after Mullins went down. And after all of his struggles he had had the last two-plus years with the Yankees, they made some little tweaks to Aaron Hicks, and Hicks has looked like, honestly, a completely different hitter. He's looked like the Aaron Hicks of four or five years ago, you know, at the end of his time with the Twins and at the beginning of his tenure with the Yankees. So, I mean, that has helped, kind of looking like you're getting prime Aaron Hicks back at this point. And, you know, since he came over to the Orioles, Hicks is hitting 350. On the year. So, yeah, you'll take that from Aaron Hicks. And you look at the rest of the team, and guys are producing. You know, Santander and Arias were both in long slumps. They're starting to really pull out of those things. Adley Rutschman wasn't hitting great. He had a couple of doubles on Tuesday night, though. And you still have a couple of guys that are still slumping. But, you know, Austin Hayes still doing his thing, hitting 300. This order is still pulling things together while Mullins and now Mountcastle are out. And you had, you know, the back-to-back games with 11 runs. But really, Tuesday shows you this offense is going to let up. The fact that before the Gunner Grand Slam, everybody had had two plate appearances and every starter had had at least one hit just shows the depth of this lineup. And again, if I had told you those lineups going to have a lot of depth with Mullins and Mountcastle out, on opening day, I would have called you crazy for saying that. But O'Hearn and Hicks just stepping up right now and helping this team And it's huge. Now, can they sustain six runs per game without Cedric Mullins? No, I don't think so. Ryan O'Hearn's had hot streaks before it and then has cooled off. That's why the Royals eventually gave up on him this offseason. Aaron Hicks has been really, really bad the past two years. Maybe he goes back to that level. But with Gunner playing this well, we know he's this good. We know Adley's this good. And if Santander keeps hitting, they've got the top of the order figured out right now without Mullins and Mountcastle. So I think they can sustain it. And that's the big thing. Just sustain it, have the pitchers do their thing, and you can continue winning games, and that's how you get to 42-24 and on the season. But I've been mentioning Mountcastle being out. we got to talk about what's happening with Ryan Mountcastle, why he's on the injured list, what move the Orioles already made, but what move they'll really make more so long-term, potentially, later this week. We'll talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. So the Orioles took down the Blue Jays by a score of 11-6 to on Tuesday night, winning game one of this three-game series. The O's, who have now won four out of four this season against the Blue Jays. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll definitely take that against a team that I have uh, definitely learned to hate over the years. But game two coming up tonight between the O's and the Jays, a 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start. It'll be Jose Barrios. Getting the ball for the Blue Jays. Barrios was kind of a tough scene for the Blue Jays last year, but he has figured it out again this season. He's looked like the ace he was when he was in Minnesota before the trade to Toronto. Has a 3-6-1 ERA with 70 strikeouts in 77 innings in 13 starts so far this season. His last time out against Houston, six innings, two runs, two Ks, two walks, and four hits. And he will go up against Kyle Bradish, who will make the start 
in this Wednesday night game for the Orioles. And Kyle Bradish, 26-year-old righty, 4.25 ERA in 11 starts on the season. His last time out, he gave up those three runs on Thursday in the first inning against the Brewers and then just was incredible for the next four innings. Strikes out 10 batters, allows three runs over five innings of work. Hopefully he can continue that momentum into tonight's game. And you can catch every pitch of Game 2 between the Orioles and the Blue Jays and every pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. But one guy you won't hear playing, if you're listening to the radio broadcast here tonight, is Ryan Mountcastle, who, after missing all three games over the weekend against the Royals, we had heard he was sick, was dealing with an illness. There was a little bit of chatter. I had heard that he was experiencing some dizziness. Well, that's what it was. Ryan Mountcastle officially placed on the injured list actually pretty late on Tuesday. It was like 10 minutes before first pitch on Tuesday. The Orioles obviously were putting him through some drills, some swinging in the cage, really trying to see if he was going to be available for the game and then decided he is not. He is placed on the 10-day injured list with vertigo. Now, vertigo, not something to mess with, right? I mean, if you're unfamiliar, it's kind of, you know, on the base level, like you can just kind of get dizzy or lightheaded kind of at any time, stumbling over, not being able to get your balance, a lot of nausea involved with vertigo as well. It can be a tough thing to live with, especially if, you know, you're living with it for long periods of time. And, you know, sometimes it leads to or can point to other things. But that is a really, really tough thing to be dealing with, especially for a baseball player who relies so much on your balance, on your hand-eye coordination. Vertigo messes with all of those things. And so when you look at Ryan Mountcastle, who, you know, is out with the illness, he has been hitting 158 with 20 strikeouts and just one home run in his last 15 games, has really, really been struggling over the last month or so. I mean, that could be an explainer why. I mean, if you're just dealing with something that ends up being vertigo, but you're not really sure what it is and you're dealing with this on and off dizziness or whatever it may be, even if you're just dealing with it a little bit, that could completely throw off a major league hitter. And I kind of understand Maybe why the struggles have been happening so much for Mountcastle. I mean, that's really tough. I hope, you know, he can get this under control, get himself off the injured list fairly quickly, and get back to the Orioles lineup. That's not something you want to mess around with. That can really, you know, hinder people's lives. And so hopefully, you know, what he's dealing with is hopefully maybe temporary. He can get it fixed. But wishing the best to to Ryan Mountcastle. And, you know, there was talk of will there be a Mountcastle O'Hearn platoon at this point with Mountcastle struggling so much. I'm not sure they'll do that when he gets back because they'll maybe want to see, all right, if he's really healthy and the vertigo isn't bothering him anymore, let's see what he looks like at the plate then, then make that decision. But if O'Hearn's still hitting, there could be a platoon there. I mean, O'Hearn's been that good and Mountcastle's been that bad at times. But I do want to see, like, what he looks like healthy before making that decision. It's certainly a possibility, though. But the question is, okay, what do the Orioles do with the roster now? Yes, Ryan Mountcastle hasn't been a huge contributor over the past month. And yes, he's been sitting a little bit more. And yes, he didn't even play all weekend when the Orioles swept the Royals. So they've been in life without Mountcastle for a little bit now. But he's still a guy who you trust to produce a lot of homers, a lot of RBIs. Right there at the top still, the Orioles leaderboards in those categories. And he's been, even though he's been struggling, been mashing lefties all year. Those are all things you don't have as an option for your lineup right now. Well, in the short term, the Orioles activated the catcher Mark Colesbury to the roster to take Mountcastle's place. Now, you know, a lot of people freaked out. Oh, my gosh, they're adding a third catcher. Why isn't it Westberg? Why isn't it Kowser? All of this stuff. Listen, 
Mark Colesbury has been with the team as the taxi squad catcher for most of the season, which means he travels around as the emergency catcher. He's not on the roster, but if any catcher gets hurt, he's always there to be activated for the game. I mean, he would probably be the best catcher in Norfolk, maybe, if he was there for more time, but he's only played in 20 games in Norfolk, 76 plate appearances, and that's because he's been on the taxi squad. Now, when he's been in Norfolk, he hasn't hit at all. I mean, he's hitting 162 with a 29 WRC+, plus, 26 Ks to 5 walks in 76 plate appearances. So he hasn't hit at all in AAA Norfolk. But the reason why they went with Colesbury is he was probably the only hitter that was with the O's in Baltimore on the taxi squad. And because they made the move to put Mountcastle on the IL so late, right? They did it 10, 15 minutes before first pitch. They were probably still trying to figure things out. That would be most likely why it's Colesbury. Now, he did get into the game. Came in defensively, caught the ninth inning of the Orioles' win on Tuesday. So he played a little bit of time in the big leagues with the Reds over the past couple of years. So it wasn't his big league debut or anything. Never been much of a hitter, more of a defensive catcher. And the O's do like to carry three catchers. They've done it a couple of times this year with Anthony Bemboom on the roster as well. It allows them to, you know, start Adley and James McCann in the order against a left-handed pitcher or on a day game and still have a catcher on the bench just in case they want to do things like They'll probably both be in the lineup, McCann and Rutschman, in Thursday's game because it's a day game and it's against the lefty. So that's kind of the double whammy of getting McCann in there as the catcher and Adley DHing. But I don't see the Colesbury thing being the guy who's here the entire time Mountcastle is gone. Yes, he is a right-handed hitter, but he's not much of a hitter. I think it's just a two- or three-day thing. Get you through Thursday because he was here. And then I think the O's will have a decision to make on who is really going to replace Mountcastle for the time he's on the injured list. And to be honest with you, I kind of feel like the Orioles can only choose from three prospects at this point. It's either Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, or Colton Kowser. Now, it could be Taron Vavra, potentially. Vavra would be eligible to come back up on Thursday, so maybe after Thursday's game, it still could be Taron Vavra. That's still a possibility, but wouldn't you all like it better if it was Kowser, Westberg, or Ortiz? If they went with Colton Kowser now, you'd probably see Anthony Santander playing mostly either DH or first base, kind of replacing Mountcastle there, flipping off with Ryan O'Hearn in that role, and Kowser would be in the outfield. If it's Joey Ortiz, it's probably because they're feeling, let's move Mateo to more of a bench role, let's play Ortiz at shortstop a lot, maybe a little second base. And if it's Jordan Westberg, they want the ability to have a guy who can play the outfield a little bit, but maybe plan to DH him a good amount and kind of switch him off with Gunnar Henderson and Santander all kind of DHing in the lineup and get that bat in there. Now, I give a slight edge to Westberg and Ortiz because they're right-handed hitters. The Orioles roster is very left-handed hitter heavy right now. And so with Mountcastle, a righty going out, you probably want to replace it with a righty. And to be honest, unfortunately, because Ortiz is already on the 40-man and has already been up this year, I maybe give a slighter edge to Joey Ortiz to be activated. He did homer on Tuesday night. He's back from his illness that kept him out for 10 days. It could be Westberg. It could be Kowser. It could be Vavra. I'm guessing Ortiz after a couple days, but we will see. But just know, I don't think Colesbury is a long-term thing. I think it's just because he was just there on the taxi squad, get him there for a couple days, and then they will make another move. But to put Mark Colesbury on the 40-man roster to get him on the active roster because he was not, Orioles had to make a 40-man move. And in a little bit of a surprising move, they DFA'd Noah DeNoyer 
to make room on the 40-man. Now, DeNoyer was kind of a prospect who kind of came out of nowhere in 2022, had an amazing season for the Orioles last year, and then was added to the 40-man roster this offseason to protect him from the Rule 5 draft because it was so good last year. And he got himself to AAA Norfolk this season, and it just hasn't been good. 14 appearances, four starts for DeNoyer in 30 and a third innings in AAA Norfolk. He has a 5.04 ERA with a 5.40 FIP. 23% strikeout rate is solid. A 15% walk rate is terrible. That's basically double the league average. That is not good. He's walking a lot of batters. And the Euros just felt like with him struggling, this was the conversation probably. He's struggling so much that even if we think long-term he could be a piece, we're not going to use him out of the bullpen in Baltimore this year. And because you're a winning team trying to get to the playoffs, you don't really want to have guys on your 40-man who you don't plan to use at all during the season. So because of that, he gets DFA'd. Orioles probably hoping and thinking he'll pass through waivers. I don't think he's someone they really want to get rid of right now. I don't think it's been that bad. I think they have an inkling he may pass through waivers. Then they'll get him off the 40-man, be able to work with him a little bit more. Maybe try and get him back on track. But that's the roster moves. And again, I think we'll see potentially another one coming up here soon. But with Ryan Mountcastle out, I know he hasn't been good, but just another hole the O's have to fill. Hopefully, as they've shown already, the depth is there to fill those holes. But that'll do it for today's episode, Orioles with another win. But remember, before we go, doing a giveaway here on the pod right now. Got to 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, that is all thanks to you. Thanks to the everydayers out there who make Locked on Orioles their first view, their first listen of the day. And so I'm doing another giveaway. I gave out a Cedric Mullins bobblehead when I got to 1,000 subscribers. I'm giving one out again at 3,000 subscribers. So to be entered to win the Cedric Mullins 30-30 bobblehead that was given out last season, you got to do two things. Number one, you have to be subscribed to Locked on Orioles on YouTube. Number two, in the comments on today's YouTube video, on this episode, tell me your favorite player from the rebuild. This is a player who played for the Orioles anytime from 2018 through 2021, who is no longer with the O's, but holds like a special place in your heart throughout the rebuild. One of the guys for me, Stevie Wilkerson, Hanser Alberto. Those are a couple of the guys that just kind of hold a soft spot for me. But I will close the entries on Friday evening. I will pick a winner over the weekend and it will be announced on Monday's episode. And remember to watch or listen to Monday's episode to hear if you won and keep track of your comment on YouTube. I will reply to your comment in the comment section to let you know if you did win. And again, you can win the Cedric Mullins 30-30 bobblehead. But I'll be back here with you for tomorrow's episode, recapping game two between the Orioles and the Blue Jays and talking a bit about our favorite relievers who haven't really pitched this year, Michael Givens and Dylan Tate. We got more injury news from them this week. Chat about that on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of Locked On Podcast. Your team, 